Festival Insider. Helping filmmakers traverse the scary world of film festivals. Hello there, it's Spencer Hawken and I'm back for the second show this week. And in this episode, I'm talking to Kelly Smith. Kelly Smith is a uh, 49-year-old filmmaker and he's worked on a variety of projects, including... um, how to lose friends and alienate people and faces in the crowd his latest film a short film the fallen woman is about to go on the festival circuit and i thought it was a good idea to have a chat with him about some of his film festival experiences and his background so i am joined um by kelly smith who um, I met earlier on this year on the film festival circuit. Hello, Kelly. Hi, Spence. How are you? I'm well, thank you. Yourself? Not too bad. Not too shabby. Good. Can you tell us a little bit about your filmmaking journey, uh, what got you into film, and where you are in your journey, and kind of, you know, what what makes what makes your world go round? <laughs> Um, crikey. Well, we're going back many, many moons here. Um, I'm a child of the 70s and 80s, um, just to put my cards on the table there, age-wise. So I grew up uh, at that amazing, magical time when the likes of Star Wars and Raiders of the Lost Ark and all these films that are just the iconic films of of science fiction and fantasy and horror, all all exploded for the first time and and of course coincided with the dawn of home video and being able to for the first time watch stuff in your own home in your living room and watch them over and over again and start to sort of analyze them a bit and deconstruct them and figure out how shots were done and effects were done and how things were lit and edited and i became absolutely infatuated enthralled immersed in in movies and particular genre films science fiction and horror and um that was it that was that was my life ruined from that point on i was just so <laughs> all that incredible that era of stuff that i still that's burned into my brain as being the golden age and yep. will never really be surpassed I, I i shouldn't think in my lifetime um it was just that amazing time. Um, mm. And as a sort of kid in my formative years soaking all that up, um, I wanted to be part of it. And didn't even in in my um, early childhood understand what a director even did mm-hmm. and what the difference between a director and a producer did. This is in the days when, you know, watching like a making of documentary, the making of Star Wars, say, um, that would be a seismic event if that was on telly and you got to see people standing behind the camera and try to figure out exactly what's going on. Um, absolutely hypnotizing. So mm. that, that just to sort of set the scene um, was the start of it. And then reading loads of magazines, Starlog and Starburst and Fangoria um, and being freaked out by all the hardcore gore photos <laughs> I, i'm one of those few people I've, I've believe it or not i've still got some starburst magazines but there were some aspects of starburst that even that i found quite disturbing you know like i i remember reading about saturn 3 
in Starburst. And I remember thinking, oh, this is like a sci-fi film, but like bad. <laughs> and like not bad as in, you know, like bad, yeah. but yeah. bad as in, you know, this isn't a nice film. Scary and adult. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, sorry, carry on. Things happening. Absolutely. No, I um jumping forward a little bit into my my delicate teenage years, I remember Robocop. Mm-hmm. Uh, coming out and just being slightly too young to blag my way into the cinema to see it and desperate to see it. And in Starburst that month, Paul Verhoeven was interviewed and they had photos of him in Starburst office miming the cut shots of Murphy being shot in the head and how fragments of his head were exploding towards the camera. And there were just a series of stills with Verhoeven hamming it up, mm-hmm. miming what we wouldn't see in the film. Fantastic era. Um, so yeah, that 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 was it. The, the bug bit me really hard. Um, first steps into filmmaking was actually getting a camcorder um, and shooting stuff back then, and editing in camera, mm-hmm. and having to be really disciplined. And years later, when Robert Rodriguez started talking about uh, how disciplined he was shooting El Mariachi because he'd had to shoot uh, or edit rather in camera with his early stuff, completely related to that, learning that discipline. Um, fantastic, great, great fun working with friends on weekends and shooting ridiculous comedy films and horror films and uh, mucking about really, but but in so doing, learning the sort of basics of how you put a film together. And we had a, a VHS recorder at the time where you could plug a microphone uh, into one of the, the sockets there and overlay your own synth score. It would erase what was on underneath it, but you would have some music. So even got to be a sort of extremely amateurish John Carpenter, mm. like Cassiotone keyboard, laying that on top. So eventually this all led to um, going to university. I went to the University of Reading to study film. And at that time, early 90s, um, the options are quite limited actually with a number of like, media courses or film courses and particularly courses that taught actual hands-on filmmaking mm-hmm. um, and the ones I really wanted to get into were either too expensive or I, I couldn't get in failed the mm-hmm. interview and Reading was the only option I had that offered a tiny amount of practical filmmaking although it was really geared towards making a short film each each year uh, as an exercise in, in in semiotics, really, but but it was where myself and a bunch of other rabid wannabe filmmakers had sort of washed up. Mm. Uh, one of the guys I became good friends there was a French guy named Julien Magnat, and he subsequently went on to direct a couple of films, and I co-wrote one of them, which was a film featuring Mila Jovovich, Faces in the Crowd. So yeah. he, yeah, was a uh, fantastically talented guy and um we were coming from a very similar place and a bunch of other other guys there as well we all bonded together and a lot of them got on to careers in tv and film so it was a brilliant time but it was kind of frustrating because we weren't making actual real proper films we were still doing it on this very low-fi student you know self-financed level with basically high-end camcorders but, but they had an editing system that was like a, a linear editing system. At least you could cut stuff and mix stuff. And it was a crude form of grading. So that was that 
transitional moment where I was trying to get into filmmaking professionally, didn't really crack it, won a couple of awards for short films, but that led to nothing in the industry and I didn't know anyone in the industry. Um, and so since graduating back then, it's, it's really been a matter of work on the fringes of, of the film business. And I was a negative cutter for years and I worked on films like The Queen, for example, um, a few other fairly high profile films. Um, and that got me a toehold into the actual real business. But uh, in terms of writing and directing, all the work I've done has pretty much been self-financed mm. or with like-minded souls managing to scrape a, a few bucks together and go out and shoot stuff. Mm -hmm. so I've shot two features. First one was released in 15 territories on DVD. The second one's in post at the moment and a bunch of shorts. Okay. And um, that has been my career up to this point. And obviously having to take, you know, regular paying jobs to to sort of fund my habit, basically. Yep. <laughs> fund your habit. You make it sound like an addiction. It, well, it, it is. <laughs> it it's is. It's a completely self-destructive, insane endeavour to embark upon. So yep. um, what can you do? If, you, if you've got the addiction, you... You've got it. Yeah, no, absolutely. Um, so when exactly did film festivals become part of your filmmaking journey? Well, uh, film festivals to me were always a sort of um, glittering emerald city on the horizon. Mm -hmm. I was always aspiring to get some exposure in, but didn't really have much luck out. I had a couple of early successes making short films back in the 90s and won some nice little awards but they were like competitions back then um and then uh in the noughties in the early noughties making films mini dv um eventually shot one on 35 mil which i thought might get some traction that was really quite a, an ambitious short um and i i then had that rude awakening that i guess we've all been through where I submitted to tons of festivals and didn't get, get into any of them. Mm -hmm. um, I did have a short screened on the Horror Channel, which was nice, but in terms of festival exposure, I just couldn't get any traction um, and didn't really understand exactly what I was doing wrong. Um, and maybe we can get into this a bit as we go. I mean, one of my, my sort of um, naive hopes is that the work speaks for itself. Mm -hmm. And if, uh, you know, a selection panel sees something that, that you know, is quality, uh, has a certain level of production value, tells a, a fairly entertaining story, you've got a shot. I'm not sure that's, that's really what these panels are looking for. Mm -hmm. To put me straight in here, Spence, on exactly what they are looking for. I, I'm never quite sure. Um, so the first real bit of exposure I got was after shooting my first feature, um, which was a very tough shoot and tough post-production process. And we were really always cash strapped and it was a, a real battle to get it finished and get it out there. But once it did, we, we got a fairly big sales agent in the States who then immediately did deals with a bunch of, in, of uh, international distributors. But 
they basically placed a sort of embargo on us um, submitting to festivals. Mm-hmm. It got the inevitable bad notices, and then that, that yeah. might mess up their plans. Um, or but it gets some good notices, and it costs them more money. Yeah, exactly, exactly. <laughs> right. yeah. So um, the the exception to that was actually the UK because the deal we cut with the sales agent was that we we do our own deals directly with the UK distributor, which yep. we eventually did with High Flyers. So we could submit to festivals in the UK, which is great. Um, and we did do that. And we got somebody on board who was coming up with like a festival strategy and claimed they had lots of connections that could help us get into a few. And in the end, the only place that we managed to get the film screened was the Manchester Festival of Fantastic Films. Okay. Um, Good um, festival, though. Yeah, fantastic. It was lovely to have it there and, you know, great guys running it and fun to just stand at the bar and have a drink with Robin Asquith and mm-hmm. uh, all these kind of culty figures from yesteryear. Brilliant. So um, just before we move on, the yeah. question that I have for you, I know this is going to be like a ballpark figure, but so you've said that pretty much the only place that film showed is Manchester. How many festivals do you think you entered it into? Mm. Oh, uh, I can't quite remember now, but we had a spreadsheet sort of tracking our progress. And I think I think we'd submit to roughly, I mean, every, every festival that, that would accept, you know, an independent feature we submitted to. So what that would have been back then, probably between 35 and 40, yep. maybe, something like that. Um, and, yeah. and paid this consultant as well. Yeah. So not cheap. So, um, and you know, I I need to highlight to you that it doesn't necessarily mean that just because a film festival doesn't show your film, it's not a good film. It's yeah. just different festivals have different agendas. Did you? At any point during that journey, did you think to yourself, I wonder if these film festivals are actually watching my film? <laughs> yes. <laughs> I, I always wonder that. Mm. And, and I don't know if they do. I've, I've got absolutely no idea because obviously you never get any specific feedback. Mm-hmm. Um, or it's not like there are even, um, you know, various tiers of selection that you have to move through. So you know that at some point you might get some kind of notes or uh, so you have no idea. Absolutely. I mean, one that I know definitely did watch it, which I won't name, but it's a big London-based horror film festival. Um, listeners can probably work out which one. Mm-hmm. I did have a chat with one of the, the guys who ran that, um, who was not too kind about the film, but we almost squeaked in. They were in two minds about it. Yep. And this was just at the period before they started really expanding how many screens they had and how many films they had. So it was still quite a sort of yep. selective festival at that point, and we didn't quite make the cut. But at least I knew they'd seen it and they had their own grounds for why they didn't select it. Yep. I, I, from memory, I don't think I ever got any other feedback from another festival. Okay. Yeah. That's interesting. Do you ever reach out to a festival and ask for feedback that doesn't Never select it? No. Okay. Maybe it's good. Yeah, 
yeah so this is one of the things that we've talked about uh previously is how um film makers should maybe make that move yeah because when i talk to film festival organizers actually all of them are prepared to give feedback but a lot of them are scared that the filmmaker may launch some sort of retaliatory attack on them if they don't like what the film festival has to say yeah so i think there is this kind of like and and i think the other thing being is sometimes if the film feedback isn't great i think nobody really likes to deliver bad news do they no they don't but i think i mean if you're making films you're really in the business of rejection because that that's just the hard reality of it um it's not just going to be an unbridled you know road of one success after another it's quite the opposite so unless you're the most naive chump on the planet yes you know you would have sussed that i i would much rather have constructive not not mean-spirited, but constructive feedback, which I imagine most festivals would give you, mm. about why it didn't meet their criteria. Yeah. That's useful. Yeah. Um, otherwise, you're kind of groping in the dark as to exactly what you're doing right or wrong. Mm. Maybe not a bad thing, ultimately, because you're following your own muse, as it were. Um, but it would be it would be interesting to know. I mean, particularly... You know, the area I'm working in, making horror films and thrillers, um, it's such a sensitive time at the moment that you're always slightly wary of treading on eggshells in certain Mm. areas. And that certain things could be a problem um, for festivals, even if they like the film, and even uh, even if the selection judges personally don't have a problem but think there might be negative press or you know it's going to trigger people if they, they see certain certain films so hmm. yeah so even even on, on those grounds it would be useful to know why things are selected or not selected mm-hmm. um if if your film's like a completely escapist film and you know it has a fantastical supernatural element um Usually that that wouldn't be too problematic, but um, I I do wonder nowadays if certain films like my short film friend, mm-hmm. which we recently had a, a you know a, a tilt at festivals with, um, deals with cyber stalking and it's sort of a black comedy, and there's a bit of sexual content in it, and um, it took so long to finish the film, but before we'd shot it, that was not as problematic an issue it was by the time we finished it. Right. And I think we might have got more exposure, you know, if we managed to complete it sooner. By mm. the time we completed it, I think things have become a lot more sensitive. Yeah. That makes sense. So I wonder if that could have been an obstacle to getting exposure for that one. So let's talk a little bit about Friends. So um, you... Uh, obviously I I'm aware of you because you submitted the film to a festival that I'm connected to how many of what what do you think you what what do you do you have like a a feel of the percentage of acceptance work versus uh decline for friend yeah I can give you an exact number I think we submitted to 17 festivals and were accepted by one wow 
Yeah. Oh dear. Um, and and how much money do you think you you spent submitting to pastels? Well, you're looking at for the for the majority of them between fifteen twenty pounds maybe. Yeah. So you're you're looking about three hundred pounds ish, give or yeah. take a few quid. Because I mean, obviously, some of them are slightly more expensive, especially the more prestigious ones, aren't they? And then there's some where it's sort of like five pounds. But I think you're looking about three hundred pounds. And then roughly, what was your film's budget? Uh, by the time we completed it, we shot it on a shoestring, but post was what we actually ended up splurging on. It wasn't too expensive, I think. By the Final budget was something about four grand. Okay. So you've spent the best part of 10% of your, and this is what I'm getting at, yeah. you've spent almost 10% of your budget yeah. submitting it to film festivals that many of them haven't accepted it for. Mm -hmm. Now, obviously, you've gone through this period, so it's been floating around, or, or you, sorry, I say it's been floating around, but it's yeah. submitted it to film festivals over maybe the course of a year? Yeah, yeah. And during that year period, is there anything about the way that you submitted the film that you think you would change? Do you think yeah. you would have picked some different, I mean, I, it's easy to turn around and say I'd pick a different festival because it didn't accept, but have you learned anything over that year about strategy in terms of um, festivals that maybe you should have submitted it to or, maybe if there was anything you should have done to your film or even if there was anything that you should have done to your um, your film's page on Film Freeway? Is there anything that you've picked up on? Mm. Mm. That's interesting. Um, well, one thing I did for Friend, which I haven't done so far with the short I'm now submitting to festivals, The Fallen Woman, um, with friend, I'd read read online that a good strategy was to try and reach out to the festival organisers if they've got social media page or if independent panel judges have pages. Try and build a bit of a rapport with them and get a bit of conversation going. Um, write cover letters on Film Freeway. Um, so I made a half-hearted stab on the social media front. Mm -hmm that good on social media and it, that's such a time suck yep but made a bit of a an, an attempt um but i certainly put a lot of thought into cover letters and i looked at films that had been selected in previous years um and the ones that i thought were particularly praiseworthy i mentioned um and i'm not sure if any of that had any effect at all okay or if that was just a giant waste of time and, and it, going back to my earlier kind of conviction, if you like, that the work should just speak for itself. If indeed it does get watched. Yeah. Um, I've sort of fallen back on that a bit. I've got just from that one experience a bit burned out of putting mm. that much time and effort into uh, making that approach. Yeah. And that, that could be wrong. In terms of festivals, I think we would be a good fit for or otherwise. I knew going in that certain festivals would not accept the film, but I thought it was worth a shot anyway. Um, obviously, a lot there's there's quite a few festivals that are more geared towards sort of if you like an indie art house aesthetic, mm -hmm. and my 
my stuff is not really that. It's made on a very small budget, but it's attempting to reach a mainstream audience. Mm. So I think that there's a slight disconnect there. Um, the ones I thought it might be a good fit for, actually, apart from the one that we got into, everyone passed on it. So in terms of what I've learned from that, I, I'm not sure what I've learned. Um, Interesting. Try again and, and cross my fingers, really. Yeah, yeah. And I mean, this is kind of what we're trying to do here is to try and sort of like help people by getting different people's opinions and their views and their understanding because some people some filmmakers get to have a much higher understanding of what's going on behind the film festival scene so mm. i always i always reference this particular tip um and i'm sure anybody that's listened to anything that we've done so far will be bored of this and that was to pay for a premium vimeo account and give each film festival a different link and then you knew who'd watched it and who hadn't so when you were able to gauge whether or not you should ever waste any money submitting your film to that film festival again so that's the one that i always sort of like regurgitate for everyone and i know vimeo is quite an expensive format to use i do have a premium and maybe that's something yeah that's a great idea but but how's this work, Spence? Because if you're submitting to festivals um, through Film Freeway, in other words, you're saying don't put your film on free on Film Freeway, just put it on the Vimeo and give them a link to the Vimeo. So you put it, you, yeah, so you put it on Film Freeway, yeah. but there's an option that you yeah. could have 10 different pages of exactly the same film, yeah. and you could give each one a different profile on Vimeo and link that in mm. and that way it gives you a really good idea of exactly what film festivals have watched it and how many have watched mm. it um mm. and i always find that really interesting so i on my first film i i said to you before we started the interview i actually submitted to 100 festivals exactly 100 three festivals accepted it three festivals watched it wow and the rest uh, there was a lot of watches of the trailer, and I think a lot of film festivals, they must have looked at the trailer or they looked at something on my director's statement or my Film Freeway page and thought, actually, no, that's not for me. And they just passed on it without actually watching it. Um, so that was my personal experience. Um So, yeah, I've, I've, I found that really useful. As I said, someone told me this tip. And I just thought, actually, I'm going to do that. I'm going to give that one a whirl. I didn't have Vimeo Pro at the time. So it was, you know, it was all done very cheaply. Yeah. Um, but yeah, in, in reflection, if I think I actually spent uh, about seven and a half thousand pounds on film festival submissions. Ooh. Damn. Um, because the other thing is that lots of people were giving me lots of praise about a film that actually probably in my case wasn't actually that great but the trouble being is it's who you talk to isn't it and how they feed back that information to you it's like who you tell about your film um anyway um but just just to stay on that for a second so have you found that subsequently Spence? i mean like have you got any rough numbers for, with people's experiences like it 
in terms of like how many, what percentages of festivals that actually watch films? Well, I know that um, uh, a film, fe- well, I mean, you'd like to hope that they're all watching the films, wouldn't you? Um, but I, having conducted quite a few of these interviews now, I have heard uh, the same specific film festivals coming up quite a lot that people now have very clear understanding didn't watch their film. Yeah. But they might have watched their trailer. Yeah. Um, and I'm finding of uh, the people that I'm talking to, even those that have like a really high, from an outsider's perspective, even those that have a really high acceptance level for their film festivals, they're still being accepted for less than 5% of the festivals that they're submitting to. Yeah. And we're talking really, really good big films here, you know, big independent films on ones that are causing big stirs on the um on the film festival circuit so i think that's quite fascinating that this is happening even now and as i said this is kind of what we're trying to do here is we're trying to educate filmmakers as well as trying to educate film festivals about a level of etiquette yeah how many films do you how many films have you made in total now um I'm not actually quite sure. I'd have to tot it out, but probably about 10 or 12. And did you, have you always gone down the film festival route or have you just put some of those films just straight out to the world? Yeah, the, the early ones, I did I did submit to a few festivals, but it wasn't, wasn't at all like a proper strategy. It, it was just, oh, wouldn't it be nice to get in name famous horror film festival? Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and just submit submit sort of to a handful. But then uh, basically around before I did my first feature, I'd shot a, a short film on 35 mil. Um, so that was quite an ambitious project. Co-directed that with a good buddy of mine, Chris Andrews, and we were both neck cutters at the time. Mm-hmm. So we could basically the truth can now be told, steal short ends yep. from films that we were working on. And so we had like a cupboard full of 35 mil oh, wow. film and um, managed to convince a, a really great cinematographer who's mainly working in commercials and had a motion control studio to shoot a short film in his studio. Um, and, and we made the short film called Unmotivated. It was about two stranded um hikers on on a mountain who uh bump into each other and start telling like a campfire tale of a serial killer who preys on hikers mm-hmm. fun little five minute film with twist ending um but it came out just so beautiful the, the photography which is mm-hmm. nothing to do with me fantastic dp that we had at the time john wenman shot it and and so that was a thrill. And that for me was like the first big, you know, evolutionary leap into making professional level content. Yeah. Um, and learned a hell of a lot. And post-production was an absolute nightmare to, to get to the finish line, but it always is. Won't go into that now. Mm-hmm. Um, but we got there. Um, took us a couple of years. That then was the first one that I really heavily submitted to festivals. 
and um, we didn't get into any. And I was, I was kind of staggered by that. Mm. So I thought the quality spoke for itself. And even at that time, you know, that was the early days of, of digital and people shooting like a, a Canon XL1, was it, I think? Mm. The camera back then, 28 days later, was shot on. Um, so to have like a really beautiful high production value, 35 mil short, and no one accepted it, yeah, that that absolutely blew my mind. It did get shown on on TV, as I say, it's on the horror channel, so that that was fun. Um, uh, yeah, so that was that was my first rude introduction to that. Mm. Um, I didn't. I guess I didn't learn too many useful lessons from that because I went straight on to make my first feature, which was shot on Super Sixteen. Yes, and. Um, uh, which again was completely a ridiculous decision, but it was because I was so in love with film itself yep. as a neck cutter working with film, familiar with that workflow. Um, and and then yeah, as I talked about earlier, we we yeah, we didn't have much luck with festivals with that one. Um, so each time out, basically, in short, there's been a big gap actually between that feature being done, another feature that's still in post. Um, and a couple of shorts. So I've been busy throughout that time, but everything's got jammed up in post and mm-hmm. trying to raise cash to finish all these things. So one by one, they're getting done. Friend was the first one, and I've got mm-hmm. another one now before them, which is hopefully going to have a bit more luck. But um, yeah, sorry, Spencer, I waffled on now. No, 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 it's good. It's good. Tell us a bit about your your latest release, which obviously you're now submitting out to the world of film festivals. Okay, so it's a short film, 30 minutes, Mm -hmm. entitled Fallen Woman, Mm -hmm. and it's a ghost story in the classic M.R. James tradition uh, about a woman who is in a crisis. She's been having an affair with a married man. She's fallen pregnant. She's driving out to confront the man and his wife mm-hmm. and sort of spill the beans. And as she's doing that, driving through this remote area out to his house, uh, she passes a pregnant woman in a nightdress crawling out in front of the car covered in blood, swerves to avoid the woman, crashes the car. When she looks back, the pregnant woman has disappeared. Um, but she finds out that she's crashed near a stately home now inhabited only by uh, a very feeble lord of the manor who's kept upstairs in his bedroom and his housekeeper. It's a kindly old woman who takes pity on our protagonist and invites her to stay for the night. And as she stays for the night, she starts to learn the history of the manor and finds out that decades earlier, a maid had fallen pregnant and, and in a distraught state, thrown herself out of a window. Uh. Uh, and she starts to feel that she's experiencing the memories of the, the fallen woman, the dead woman. Got you. And then the secrets come tumbling out. Okay. So that's the premise for it. Um, we shot it in our cinematographer, Dom Hutton's uh, chateau. That nice. Owns out in the yeah. south of France, which is lovely. Um, and that's, that's actually how it really came about because I'd worked with Dom on another project as he was shooting B-Cam 
became friends. And then he mentioned that he had this rather nice sounding place out in France. And we went to visit him, myself and my wife, Sabina. And um, uh, after a few drinks one evening, he said, so what about shooting something here? Have you got any ideas? And it just so happened, I did have an idea. Yep. That I scribbled down a year or so before and it was one of those that you come up with and think oh wouldn't that be lovely to to shoot but how the hell would I ever finance that or pull that one off and here was the perfect opportunity and I worked with a fantastic actress Adrienne Grant on another project and I thought she'd be absolutely a perfect fit for this and the elements all fell magically together and I have to say it was one of the most harmonious shoots I've ever been on even though we ended up working I think shot it in basically one week but we ended up shooting I think the last two days were 20 hour days okay to get through wow. it and then get everyone back on the easy jet back home um wow. but we did it um and I yeah have to say I'm really uh thrilled with the results actually I think it came out really nicely um I should mention my brilliant editor, because editors always get overlooked. Mm -hmm. And I'm lucky enough to be good buddies with Mark Towns, who's cut lots of movies from The Ritual to St. Maud mm -hmm. to Spencer. Um, and I, I've known him since he was working in telly on things that I won't mention now because it will embarrass him, but worked his way up to that lofty state. And yeah, yeah Mark's always been a great supporter and taking pity on me and helped me out. So... We got to work on this together and did a fantastic job. And yeah, thrilled with the result, I have to say, which I'm not always, but this mm. one I think is something I'm genuinely proud of. And in terms of creating, I guess, kind of an old-fashioned, slow-burning ghost story that's mm -hmm. really relying on atmosphere. Yep. And it's very um, actor-driven. Mm -hmm. And not sort of full of pyrotechnics and gore effects and stuff. Um, yeah, I think it's 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 marked a bit of a development for me as a filmmaker. So I'm quite proud of it. Good. I'm, I'm now prepared for it to get sub submitted to you know a hundred festivals and, and get into one. But uh, <laughs> well, uh, yeah, I mean, fingers crossed. Um, yeah. You you do get it selected for more festivals than just the one. Um, do you have a kind of strategy moving forward with this? The only thing that I'm changing up from my friend's strategy, although this might change after the conversation, obviously, is I'm not spending any time on cover letters because I don't think it was of any use whatsoever. Mm -hmm. um, I'm not submitting to festivals that I know I've got no chance of being selected for. Um, Obviously, that's a grey area because I think it might be a fit for certain festivals. But I just looking at the, the kind of films they're they're selecting, I don't feel I have much of a shot. It's very, I mean, just to just to sort of dwell on that for a second, it's a very it's a very grey area. This because um, on the one hand, I think it's. Uh, Oh, are we still connected there, yeah. Spence? I think my internet dropped out. Okay. Yep. Um, good, good. Uh, yeah, on the one hand, I think The Fallen Woman is 
you know, it's a chamber piece, it's an actor-driven piece, and, and I would like to think that some of the more prestigious mainstream festivals might consider it. Mm-hmm. But actually, I, I think it's it's pretty much a waste of time. Right. Um, just looking at the stuff that does get selected. Um, so I've given up on a bunch of the more famous ones, the more mm-hmm. prestigious ones. Um, some of them where I've seen in the past they've selected um, films that, that genuinely are independent and don't have any, like, you know, local finance, like film fund financing or name actors attached and, and still got selected. Um, I, I'll consider those, but some of the others, um, yeah, I, I think it's a waste of time. Mm-hmm. So if that makes any sense. But, and, and then, of course, the horror festivals, but um, because it's 30 minutes and Friend was 30 minutes, and that prohibits submitting to a lot of them. Mm. Mm. Like, for me, like, you know, if I go to the, the trouble and the expense of making a film, it's not much different shooting a five or 10 minute film or a 30 minute film. You might as yeah. well make a longer piece with more meat to it. Mm-hmm. That's my, my sort of thinking. But um, I remember Kevin Costner once being criticized for uh, Wire Up. Yeah. And he said, if you're going to watch a film, what does it matter what the running time is? You're there for an experience and you should live out that experience, whatever the running time is. Oh yeah, 100% agree. Because film is escapism. Yeah. But obviously we're, we're struggling with an audience that if they lose the plot for five minutes, mm. they pick straight up their mobile phone and it becomes a text fest or a skim through Facebook or whatever. But you, if you could go to any film festival mm. and ask for three pieces of feedback about what it is that they might be looking at, what it is that they saw about your, you know, like what, what three pieces of feedback do you think a film festival should just bulk standard be giving back to a filmmaker? Oh, such a great question. What would I love to know? Um, I suppose the three things I I would find most useful is the film of a technical, technically proficient enough standard to be worthy of consideration or not. Mm-hmm. Because I think the bar has now been set so high, yep. so many high-end shorts that are out there um, that what was once upon a time you know, a fairly decent looking and sounding film, you can tell the difference now because, you know, just the the production values have have absolutely skyrocketed. Um, So I'd love to know that, actually. Um, I would like to know if there's any problematic content, if 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 the film touched on any issues or any sort of representations, you know, culture, people, sexual issues, issues of violence even, I'm not sure where we stand there nowadays, um, that put it beyond the pale mm-hmm. or problematic and, and, and have led to the film not being selected. Um, and I'd probably like to know, actually, if um, having actors who are not really household names in the film, if that... If that hinders or helps the film okay 
you know, sometimes like having a big name attached, it can be that sort of reverse snobbery effect mm. that you think, well, they don't need they don't need the exposure. They've already got them in the film. Yeah. Um, or is it actually kind of vital that you do have some recognisable names and that that adds, you know, luster to the festival? I don't know. I'd love to know that. So I guess slightly um, meandering answers there, Spence, but those would be my three things I'd like to know. No, good, good. I mean, I put you on the spot, didn't I, really? Um, If someone asks you, sometimes people ask you for a question, I asked you for three things. So, uh, yeah, I I feel your pain. I don't know how I would have answered if I'd been sat in um, in your shoes. Well, with that in mind, I think what we'll try and do is try and catch up with you next year. Yeah. And see how you panned out. I really appreciate that. That that would be fascinating. But yeah, thank you ever so much for joining us. Thank you, Spencer. Before we sign off, as I've got the opportunity to pick your brains very briefly, yes. As I go about my festival in quote strategy, such as it is, what should have you got? Fantastic advice with the Vimeo account. Yeah. Any other golden rules I should be following? Right. Okay. So. Uh, I'm carrying on recording, by the way, and I'm going to use this because this is good. Um, so the cover letter that Film Freeway encourages you to keep, uh, to use, the best thing about a cover letter is actually to send it directly to the film festival. Mm-hmm. So um, there's actually an article that's going to go out on the website that will correspond with this interview um but i'd already written it and that was that the best way to improve your chances of getting into a film festival is obviously through getting the feedback from a film festival so the way that i would say that you would do that is the first thing you would do is you would submit your film to the film festival the second thing you would do is you put post on social media you would tag the film festival in the post via whatever social media platform you choose to use. And then an hour or so later, you would send them an email with your covering letter. So rather than attaching it to Film Freeway, and it almost needs to be, hi, uh, my name's Kelly Smith. I've submitted a film to your film festival, which I think is a really good fit. Um, I appreciate you're probably going to have a lot of films uh that you are you know have been sent to you would you mind whether the film's accepted or not accepted if after we reach that day i ping you an email and get some feedback from you and then you kind of leave it there and through your journey just remind them you're there continuously putting a post up saying you've submitted it and a lot of people they get scared by saying that they've submitted a film to a film festival and then it doesn't get accepted they get this thing about rejection but as you said earlier on being in this industry is kind of about you're in a continual popularity contest of which more often than not you're on the losing side so actually you're just you're just you're putting out your own control over this. You're allowing yourself either to be knocked down or you're encouraging others to make do something different that makes a change. I have had in the last seven years one person that has followed that process for the Romford Film Festival, but I am aware of 
a specific group of filmmakers who have been using that approach and they've been using that feedback to then go back and maybe re-edit their film mm-hmm. and resubmit their film to other film festivals. And then they have found that they're getting a much higher success rate. Interesting. So the cover letter is important. The trouble being is the cover letter is often included on film freeway and not all of the selections committee see the cover letter. So it might be that the overall controller of the data sees the cover letter, but maybe some of the judges don't see the cover letter. Sometimes a a cover letter explains something that the rest of the description doesn't. And while Mm. we're on this uh, subject, the other thing that I always say is fill in every single section of Film Freeway. Try not to leave anything blank. Try to always make sure there's a cover try to make sure there's the director's statement, director's biography, and all of those irrelevant stats because some film festivals actually specifically rate on some of that information. Thank you very much. And that was Kelly Smith, uh, a filmmaker currently on the film festival circuit with their new film. Uh, I hope you found some of his uh, insights really useful as you continue on your journey. We'll be back next time with hopefully another interview and some more useful tidbits to help you on your journey. I've been Spencer. This is the Film Festival Insider. Thanks for listening. That's all, folks. See you on the next episode of the Film Festival Insider.